small town's only barber was known for his arrogant, very arrogant and negative attitude. When one of his customers mentioned that he was going to Rome on a vacation and hoped to meet the Pope, the barber's reaction was very typical. The barber said to this customer, he said, You? You, he said? You meet the Pope? Don't make me laugh. The Pope sees kings and presidents and queens. What would he want with you? That's what the barber said to him. A month later, the man returned for another haircut. He returned for another haircut. Well, how was Rome? asked the barber. Oh, it was great, he said. I, I saw the Pope. I saw the Pope. You mean you saw the Pope on his balcony from St. Peter's Square with the rest of the crowds, right? That's what you mean. Oh, yes, yes. But then, then two of his guards came up. Two of his guards came up and said the Pope wanted to meet me and took me right into his private apartment in the Vatican. Really? Really, the barber asked? What did he say? He said, who gave you that lousy haircut? <laughs> uh, well, I hope you like my haircut today. A few folks were asking about it. And came from a wonderful barber that I've been going to since 81 at the Rosewood Plaza. Sam is his name. Amen. Well, <laughs> would you turn to chapter 12 of Mark? Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 41. We have some incredible lessons to learn from a dear, poor widow in Mark 12. I shared with you the first half of this message last Sunday, and now I'm just going to recap those truths and go into the second part. But here it is, Mark 12, <clears throat> verse 41 says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this precious part of your Holy Bible. And dear God, just as you impacted me as I reflected and studied this, this passage, Lord, I pray, I pray that you would impact each one of us in this sanctuary. I pray that you would impact each radio listener, O oh God, with the tremendous truths that you have for us in this precious story. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Take your message handout from your bulletin, or if uh, you don't have one, slip your hand up and ushers. If you can just look for the hands and quickly pass, pass a handout to whomever. But here are some of the lessons that we learned from this poor widow. The first lesson we discovered in last week's message is this. The Lord sees what you and I have. Or rather, the Lord sees what you and I give. Well, he sees what we have and also what we give. All right? Then secondly, we discovered from this part of the Bible that the Lord is more concerned about whether or not our giving He's more concerned about whether or not our giving is actually a sacrifice than he is concerned about the dollar amount given. I'm not going to spend much time on these first three points, by the way. If you want to, those of you maybe who weren't here, if you want to hear the message, uh, you can go on the website or you can ask for a a CD from uh, our brother back at the church there, back in the sanctuary. All right? The third truth that we uncovered from this story was this. The widow's example teaches us to not hold back anything from God. He... He teaches us, God teaches us, that we should not hold back anything from the Lord. That dear widow had two coins. She could have held back one of them. But no, she gave it all. So let's move on now to the second half of this message as we move to truth number four. And turn over your page there. Truth number four is this. When we give, we are showing our faith and trust in the Lord to meet our own needs. That's what we're doing. This truth comes from verses 42 and 44. It says that a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And then verse 44 Jesus says, for they gave, the others gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live, to live on. Think about this. The poor widow indeed could have kept one or both of the small coins for herself. For her own use. But no... She gave both. She gave both. In doing so, she was showing her faith and trust. She was showing her faith and trust in the Lord to meet her daily ongoing needs. May you and I also trust in the Lord to meet our own personal needs. Amen? Personally speaking... I am very touched. I was very touched when I first started to reflect upon this story. And I continue to be very touched and inspired by the poor widow. Because Jesus says in in verse 44, She, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Not a part, but everything, he says. She gave her two small coins as a love offering 
to her local church. Now, more specifically, she obviously gave her coins to the temple, but that in her day was essentially her local church, her local place of worship, the temple. Now, if if I had been her minister and I knew her situation, if I had been her minister, I probably would have said to her, Dear precious widow, please keep the coins for yourself. You need them. Instead, why don't you come over, come over to our church office. We need, we need to get a check to help you instead of you helping us. Then let, let, me take you, let me take you to our food pantry so that you can select whatever food you need. Jesus said... She, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. In many ways, Jesus' words overwhelm me because, because on the one hand, I can, I can honestly say to you that across the years, My wife Cindy and I have given very, very generously to our church, to the Lord's work, and to ministries outside of our church as well. We've given very generously in terms of tithes and offerings and missions giving and mortgage fund giving. On the other hand, however, we could not say... My wife and I could not say that we have given everything we had to live on. Now, sometimes my wife maybe felt that way. All right? Speaking frankly, I I wouldn't want you to give everything you had to live on because then I'd have the added burden. I'd have the added burden of trying to figure out how to help you survive. It's simple truth. And I wrestle with that with different people on almost on a weekly basis, trying to help people with their needs. The fact that the poor widow gave everything she had to live on tells me she must have had incredible faith and trust. I mean, think about it. You probably haven't thought about it, just as I really hadn't thought about it until I was working on this message. I, I, as I thought about it, I thought, wow, man, she, had, she must have had incredible faith and trust in Jesus to meet her own needs. Does that make sense? My friends... As we prepare to submit our personal mortgage fund pledge for one year, I want to challenge you to make your monthly pledge high enough. High enough so that in your own way, you are going to have to take a giant step of faith. You're going to have to take a giant step of faith and trust in the Lord to meet your own personal needs. Are you with me now? And by the way, I want to commend all of you. I want to commend all of you, so many of you, for being in church today. Because most of you knew that today is the Sunday when we take our our pledges. Right? 
And I have pastored long enough to see patterns. I'm a little smarter than some of you might think. And I know that when Sundays come and there's a, it's a pledge Sunday, I know that there are some folks who just find it very convenient to be away from the Lord's house. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about some of the folks that just got back from the Holy Land, by the way. Okay, they'll probably give more generously than anybody else because they got inspired by the Holy Land tour. Amen? Recently, a pastor from another denomination came, came to see me about something. And during our discussions, I, I said to him, I said to him, Brother Pastor, I can honestly say to you that in my 34 years of pastoring Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, I said I can honestly say that one of the things that has helped me and many others in our congregation to grow the most spiritually has been our stewardship campaigns. Times when we have made pledges to give to the Lord's work over and beyond, over and above our regular tithes. And I briefly explained to him that in the year 2000, we had our first three-year stewardship campaign. And then we had our second and our third and our fourth three-year stewardship campaign. And that for the last three years, we've had one-year mortgage fund pledges. And I knew, I knew he was wondering how having stewardship campaigns helped me and, and others of you to grow spiritually. And, and, uh, and so essentially, I told him. I told him that when my wife and I and others of you made pledges... We put ourselves, we put ourselves in a spot where we really had to exercise faith and trust in the Lord to pay our pledges and for the Lord to meet our own needs. Isn't that true? Right? Those of you who have really been serious about our stewardship campaigns and our pledges know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's been a beautiful journey for you. It's been, it's been one of the things that has helped you grow the most spiritually out of anything. If you stop and think, the poor widow in the Bible story showed a lot of of recklessness she showed a lot of recklessness faith and trust require a certain level of responsible godly recklessness think about that as I was preparing this message this, this truth came to my mind and I thought this is so true Read it with me from the big screen. Faith and trust require a certain level of responsible, godly recklessness. My friend, as you make your mortgage fund pledge today, I challenge you. I challenge you to exercise a high level of responsible, godly recklessness. Why? Why? Because it will help you to grow spiritually in ways that you never thought possible. How can I say that? Because I've experienced it for years. 
Because many of you have also experienced it for years. I'm not just talking about theory. I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about what what many of us in this church have experienced. And you know what? As we show faith and trust, God will bless you in ways you never thought possible. You never thought possible. But it is possible. In your bulletin today, just under the date, there's a Bible verse from Luke chapter 6, verse 36, which says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. When I read that Bible verse, after all of our stewardship campaigns that we've gone through and our pledges that we've gone through, when I read that Bible verse in the bulletin now, I I say to myself, that is so true. It is so true. My friends, discover that truth as you step out in faith and trust in the Lord to meet your own needs. And by by the way, I, I don't know if it was Heather Parsonson or Raven Mason that put that verse in in the um, in the bulletin. I, I didn't actually put it when I was proofreading the bulletin. I saw it in there and I said, "Beautiful, right on." Heather, was that you, Raven? Congratulations. You put a verse in there that was so, so relevant to today. So true. Let's go to our fifth truth. Lessons from a poor widow. The fifth truth is this. It is possible that the Lord sees your beautiful spirit of giving as more important than you realize. Now stick with me, and, and I, I, I believe you'll, you'll catch, catch on to this. It is a strange and, and lovely thing that the poor widow, the person whom the Bible and Jesus hand down to history as a pattern of generosity, was a person who gave a donation of so little value in monetary terms. Think about it. We may feel that we we don't have much. We might feel that we don't have much in the way of material or personal gifts to give to the Lord, to the Lord's work. But my friends, if we put... If we put all that we have and all that we are at the Lord's disposal, he can do things with it and with us that are beyond our imagination. Amen? That's what happened when Jesus fed over 5,000 people on a hill by the Sea of Galilee. Pastor Lisa and the team 
were on the Sea of Galilee, I believe just last week, and you probably preached on the Sea of Galilee as, as, as you sang and, then, and preached. It was, I am sure, a, a holy time as it was for us two years ago. A young boy, a young boy gave his lunch, five little loaves of bread and two fish to Jesus. One of the disciples, Andrew, had said, (laughs) Andrew had said this, he said, but what good is that? That is, a few loaves of fish, a few loaves of bread, and a couple of fish. Andrew says, well, what good is that with this huge crowd? There are 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And if you included everybody, it, it probably was the size, the size of, of um, the Air Canada Center. You know? <laughs> Andrew said, you know, hey... Uh, what good is what is good what good is that little lunch with so many people the truth is the truth is you and i would probably have said the same thing as andrew said isn't that true what good what good is this little lunch with all these people here the young boy the young boy however surrendered his lunch to jesus And listen, listen to what the Gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning at verse 11, says. Here's here's what it says. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted They ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. I really like that because I hate to see food wasted. I hate it. Yeah, don't waste food. Verse 13. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. You know, my friends, the the feeding of the 5,000 plus teaches us that if we put, if we put all that we have and all that we are at the Lord's disposal, he can do things with it. And with us that are beyond our imagination. Is there an amen in the house? You know, our goal, our goal for our mortgage fund pledge is to is to raise twenty-one thousand dollars per month to pay our monthly mortgages. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you are saying to yourselves, well, that's an awful lot, Pastor Nick. $21,000 per month is a lot of money. And you're right, it is. But let me say this. I believe. I do believe. I believe if hundreds of us give 
are five loaves of bread and two little fish. I believe we could not only reach $21,000 per month, we could reach $50,000 per month. I'm not kidding you. I really believe it. I believe it. It's a question, it's a question of how many of us are willing to put all that we have and all that we are at the Lord's disposal. That's right. Now some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, now, how, how do you know what we're thinking? Because I know. I know that I know. Do you know? But some of you are thinking, but Pastor Nick, some of us are retired. Yes. But the truth is, the truth is, a lot of retired people have a higher monthly income than some people who are still working. You say, how do you know that? (laughs) Never mind about me knowing that. The Lord knows that. All right? It's not, it's not an issue of whether you are retired or working. It's an issue of who is willing, who is willing to give their five little loaves and two small fish. That's what it comes to, my friends. And it is wonderful to know That the Lord sees your beautiful spirit of giving as more important than you realize. Amen. Let me take you to our sixth truth, and it is this. Very straightforwardly, you and I need to learn the importance of of generous and sacrificial giving just as Jesus' disciples needed to learn this truth. This truth especially comes out throughout the whole story here, but in in verse 43, verse 43, where it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. I want you to notice it says Jesus called his disciples to him. Jesus called his disciples. He said, guys, you got to see this. You got to, you got to make note of this. Dr. William Hendrickson, one of the Bible scholars that I was reading. I mentioned some of these scholars occasionally just so, just so that some of you, some of you will think, oh, it's nice to know you read and you prepare Pastor Nick. Some of you are thinking, we don't care if you tell us the name of a scholar. That's what you're thinking. But anyway, Dr. William Hendrickson says this. He says, what this widow, what this widow did was so important in the eyes of Jesus that he summoned his disciples in order, listen to this, in order to rivet their attention upon it. To rivet their attention upon what this poor widow had done. Jesus wanted his first century disciples to learn the importance of generous and sacrificial giving. And he wants you and me, and radio listeners, he wants you as well, 
to learn and practice this lesson as well. All age levels are invited to discover this truth. Most of you here know Pastor Tina Patamber, who is the minister of our Richmond Hill Solid Rock Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Tina was a part of our Rosewood family here from when she was around 12 or 13 years of age with her family. In the year 2000, when we held our first three-year stewardship campaign, I, I believe she said in a testimony some time ago, I believe she said she was around 19 years of age. She was in university and had a part-time job to pay her tuition and university bills. Now, Tina Patamber could easily have said to herself, back in the year 2000. She could have easily said to herself, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a full-time university student with a part-time job trying to pay my tuition, pay for my books and everything. She could have said, I can't really make a pledge to our building program. A few years ago, I listened to Pastor Tina give a public testimony. Maybe some of you heard it as well. I hope you did. I listened to Pastor Tina give a public testimony of how back in the year 2000, when we were getting ready to build this church, when we held our first stewardship campaign, 19-year-old Tina Patamber prayed, Lord, what would you like me to give? What would you like me to give? In her testimony, she told of how the Lord directed her to make a generous pledge and how the Lord helped her to fulfill her pledge. She told of how the Lord led her to make generous pledges in the years that followed. And she testified of how the Lord has blessed her. She finished her degree at the University of Toronto. She felt a call to the pastoral ministry and completed the Master of Divinity degree at Tyndale Seminary here in Toronto. Some of you know what happened after her graduation. About eight years ago, we asked her to become the minister of the new church in Richmond Hill that we were starting back then. Many of you know that Pastor Tina has become an outstanding preacher. Next weekend, she is graduating with her doctorate degree. Pastor Tina has testified of how she has felt the Lord has blessed her in unusual ways across the years. I believe one of the reasons the Lord has blessed her is because as a university student... She learned the importance of generous and sacrificial giving to the Lord's work. The question is this. Who will be the next young woman, the next young man, 
the next adult to learn the importance of generous and sacrificial giving to the Lord's work. Will you be that person? Who will be the next person to reap God's unusual blessings for your obedience and your sacrificial giving? Will you be that person? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for what we discover from this poor widow. Lord, help us to learn this very powerful lesson of how when we give, we are showing our faith and trust in you to meet our own personal needs. Just as this dear lady in the Bible discovered. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to rejoice in the fact that you you see, you see our beautiful spirit of giving as more important than we often realize. And through it all, may you help us to learn the importance of generous and sacrificial giving, just as Jesus' disciples needed to learn this powerful truth. And Lord... We are so thankful that you, that you have given the most and the best for each one of us. For you gave yourself in the person of Jesus when you came to earth. And you came to this earth and you revealed your great love for us. You died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for our sins so we can be forgiven, adopted into your family, receive your spirit, and receive the promise of heaven. And Lord, we thank you for your generous giving to us by giving yourself. And I thank you, Lord, for the many people in this church who have been generous in all that they've done, generous towards their family, generous towards the needs of strangers, generous towards people in this church, generous towards the financial needs of our own local congregation, generous towards meeting our monthly mortgage needs. Thank you, Lord. For the many at Rosewood Church who have been living out the truths that we've been talking about from the poor widow. And I thank you, Lord, for those amongst us who from this day forward are saying and will say, yes, I too 
I too am going to become a generous giver. I too am going to to be like Pastor Tina, who at age 19 made some critical decisions to become a generous young woman in the Lord's work. Thank you. For those in this sanctuary, thank you, Lord, for those listening by radio who are making decisions today to become generous towards the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the wonderful blessings that you are pouring out and that you will pour out on each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.